Coming up on this edition of Jerusalem Dateline, the U.S. election season is already heating up, with Republicans and Democrats ready to battle for the White House in 2024. We tell you what it all means for Israel, plus the rise of AI, and Christians brutally attacked in Pakistan, the reason behind this shocking violence, and Korean Christians protest in Washington on behalf of North Korean defectors. All this and more on this edition of Jerusalem Dateline. Hello and welcome to Jerusalem Dateline. I'm Chris Mitchell from CBN's headquarters in Virginia. Today we start with a new threat from Iran. This week the Islamic regime unveiled a brand new armed drone it claims has the ability to reach Israel. Iran says the aircraft can stay airborne for 24 hours and carry a bomb of payload of more than 600 pounds. Iran released images of the drone on Tuesday with text saying, prepare your shelters in both Hebrew and Persian. So far, there's been no public response from Israel. Well, we're just miles away from Washington, D.C., where Republicans and Democrats are preparing to go head-to-head -head in a battle for the White House next fall. Today, we'll examine how Israel is playing into the 2024 election. Let's start with a look at the top Republican candidates who faced off this week in the first GOP debate of the primary season. Each one is hoping to beat frontrunner Donald Trump for the party nomination. CBN White House correspondent Abigail Robertson has the story. The 2024 GOP primary now officially feels underway, and the eight candidates on stage hope the energy from the first debate builds a much-needed momentum on the campaign trail. As your president, we will get the job done, and I will not let you down. In the debate on Fox News, Vivek Ramaswamy made the case it's time for a fresh face in Washington. If you have a broken car, you don't turn over the keys to the people who broke it again. You hand it over to a new generation to actually fix the problem. The seasoned politicians, though, came ready to spar with the rising political newcomer. So the reality make America is, less safe. You have no foreign me, policy experience, and it shows. And you know, now is not the time for on-the-job training. We don't need to bring in a rookie. The last person in one of these debates, Brett, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, What's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here was Barack Obama, and I'm afraid we're dealing with the same type of amateur. The candidates debated whether there should be a federal abortion ban. We must have a president of the United States who will advocate and fight for, at the minimum, a 15-week limit. Or leave it up to the states. No Republican president can ban abortions any more than a Democrat president could ban all those state laws. Don't make women feel like they have to decide on this issue when you know we don't have 60 Senate votes in the House. 70 percent of the American people support legislation but to ban abortion of the after Senate a baby is capable not. of And they had a moment to comment on the elephant not in the room, Donald Trump. Trump is the most disliked politician in America. We can't win a general election that way. Moderator Brett Baer had to quiet the crowd from booing Chris Christie for claiming Trump broke the law. We have to dispense with the person who said that we need to suspend the Constitution to put forward his political career. Mike Pence said no, and he deserves credit for it. When asked if the candidates would support Trump if he wins the nomination, all but Asa Hutchinson raised their hand with a mixed signal from Christie. Obviously, I'm not going to support somebody who's been convicted of a serious felony or who has dis is disqualified under our Constitution, and that's consistent with RNC rules. Ramaswamy also stood out as the only candidate on stage who doesn't support sending more money to help Ukraine. This is disastrous. 
that we are protecting against an invasion across somebody else's border when we should use those same military resources to prevent across the invasion of our own southern border. And the only candidate who is committed to pardoning Trump which he pushed Pence to agree to as well. Make a commitment, the same oh. justice system that was this back, corrupt. There's a difference between you and, and me. Yeah, I'm not a professional I've actually, politician. That's I've the difference actually, who can answer uh, a question. I've actually given pardons. If I'm president of the United States, we'll give fair consideration to any pardon request. Meanwhile, on X. Why are you at the Fox News debate tonight in Milwaukee? President Trump and Tucker Carlson had millions tune into their competing interview that covered everything from Trump's thoughts on Jeffrey Epstein's suicide to if America is headed for a civil war. So do you think it's possible that there's open conflict? We seem to be moving I, I don't towards something. Know. I don't know, because I don't know what it, you know, I, I can say this. Uh, there's a level of passion that I've never seen. There's a level of hatred that I've never seen. And that's probably a bad combination. Reporting from Milwaukee, Abigail Robertson, CBN News. Well, CBN News Chief Political Analyst David Brody joins me now. David, the political newcomer Vivek Ramaswamy was the standout at the first GOP debate, and he wants to cut USA financial aid to Israel. Do you think he'll muster any support for this among the Republican base? That is going to be very difficult. And I think this is where Vivek Ramaswamy could run into problems in future debates and as the campaign trail uh, continues to move forward. You know, he has been, he's obviously populist. Uh, the, the, this idea of cutting off funding for Ukraine actually has sea legs within the Republican Party. It has become a more populist party under Donald Trump. So, so that is an actual applause line for him. If he goes out and talks about cutting aid to Israel on a debate stage, I don't think that's an applause line at all. It's actually going to be uh, quite a few boos. That's not what Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy wants to hear, but it's something that Nikki Haley and Mike Pence definitely want to point out along the way. Yeah. Uh, you know, David, some have said that Israel is the new Iowa in the Republican Party. How important is support for Israel for all of these presidential candidates? That's crucial. Uh, and and let, let me just be very clear. Uh, while the party is moving to a more populist, uh, in, a, in a more populist direction, and uh, the, the issue on Ukraine is definitely moving towards more populist direction, uh, when it comes to Israel, that is still a strong uh, Republican uh, issue, especially among evangelicals. And so whether it be Vivek Ramaswamy or anybody else on stage, they're going to have a hard time uh, with being kind of uh, anti-Israel funding, if you will. But the thing is, is that only Vivek Ramaswamy is saying that. Donald Trump's not saying that. He's a populist, but Donald Trump not only is not saying that, but he's, one, he's been really uh, the strongest supporter of Israel in a very long time. Yeah, I, I, yeah, we've seen that in the last few years before the Biden administration. On the other side of the aisle, is there a whole different dynamic? In other words, with Democrats that are weary of offending the progressive wing of the party that have really has become very critical of Israel? Yeah, th this is a really good point to make, Chris, uh, what you're bringing up here, which is that B Joe Biden uh, and the administration is really walking a tightrope here, a fine line. you got the progressives. That's the energy in the party. Uh, they're very, let's call it what it is, anti-Israel. Uh, but then you have blue, uh, excuse me, uh, you have uh, Democrats down ballot that are in some battleground states uh, that are not as progressive, but Democrats want to win those states, and they're very pro-Israel in those states. And so Biden is trying to draw kind of trying to please the progressives and also trying to make sure uh, he gets some victories in battleground states where the pro-Israel stance actually works well. 
Uh, quickly, uh, uh, David, you and I interviewed then-Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and then you interviewed uh, Vice President Mike Pence. How would you compare the way the Biden administration approached Israel as opposed to the way the Trump administration approached Israel? Well, it's night and day, Chris, uh, whether it be uh, it was very much a hands on approach regarding uh, President Trump. It's been kind of a lukewarm hands off response by the Biden administration. And even when they start to have certain actions. So, for example, a couple months ago, the Biden administration decided to say no more U.S. taxpayer dollars are going to go to any sort of research and development uh, when it comes to Israeli settlements in the West Bank. Uh, that is a reversal of what Donald Trump wanted uh, or, or actually imposed uh, during his administration. So it is really a one 80 situation for sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree, uh, uh, David. Well, thanks for joining us, David. We, you're going to have to come back to Jerusalem Dateline, give us your analysis about Israel, how this goes down throughout the campaign. That sounds good. Looking forward to it, Chris. Thanks so much. Thanks, David. Up next, blurring the lines between humans and machines is a computerized replacement for human intelligence around the corner. Stay connected with CBN News all day across our platforms. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has chosen us from all of the nations and given us his Torah. Audiences are raving about oracles of God. I believe this is an extraordinarily well-researched movie that indeed speaks about the integrity of God's word. It's a real faith builder. It encouraged me to, to realize God's hand in preserving his word throughout history. If God is not faithful to his word, he is not faithful. But this shows that he is. What is it? I don't know. I thought you could tell me whether or not they're genuine. I would describe this movie as inspiring. Captivating. Excitement. It mattered to them to get it right. Everybody should watch this movie. Oracles of God, the story of the Old Testament. Available now for a gift of any dollar amount. He walked with the living God and showed us the keys to the kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand. Pat Robertson, evangelist, humanitarian, statesman, educator, author, and visionary. Watch Pat's story and be encouraged by his many teachings. Go to cbn.com pat to learn more about what the Lord accomplished through this remarkable servant. As we enter the Jewish New Year, there's no better time to explore the holidays of Israel. In CBN's free guide, Israel's Major Holidays, you'll discover why these special occasions are so central to Jewish life and culture. You'll even learn about the biblical feasts and festivals that Jesus observed throughout his life. Get your free copy. Call 1-800-700-7000 or go to cbn.com slash Israel Holidays. A sudden explosion of artificial intelligence has left some Christians pondering the moral implications of this ever-expansing technology. CBN's Billy Hollowell has the story. When it comes to the true size and scope of artificial intelligence, the future is anything but certain. Promises of profound technological advancement come alongside fear over job loss and lapsed ethics. Well, one of the problems of the whole issue of artificial intelligence is that that, that landscape could change 
before I get to the end of the sentence. Dr. Albert Moeller, president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, says new moral dimensions surrounding AI emerge as fast as the technology evolves. Uh, this is a truly frightening prospect. And I don't say that about everything. What we don't know, we don't know. And this really is setting something loose in the lab. Moeller urges Christians to pay close attention to the claim AI could potentially develop a form of consciousness. What, there is no such thing as a feeling machine. There may be a machine that mimics feeling. We're not merely feeling machines. We're not merely machines that mimic feeling. We're made in God's image. And so there has to be a distinction there. But keeping that distinction straight, and by the way, defending human dignity is going to uniquely fall upon Christians because the world is cashing out its ability to argue for human dignity. Author Jeff Kinley agrees and adds a warning about allowing AI to diminish human purpose and value. Obviously, one of the biggest concerns is that it, um, it replaces human intelligence. I mean, we are moving uh, as a society towards replacing humanity just about every way possible, replacing human labor, human thought, human writing. Uh, trying to pretty much put humanity to the uh, the margins of the uh, of the narrative here. Unrestrained surveillance and the ability to hack the human brain are two potential concerns. Kinley, however, calls censorship and informational control the more immediate threats. It's the idea of deception, because artificial intelligence is not human intelligence, and so there's the uh, the obviously the capacity for a lot of bias in there. Uh, prescripted inherent bias, but also just the idea of putting out a false narrative and someone says, hey, the, the AI must know more than me, so I'm going to trust the AI more than the people who uh, could be called conspiracy theorists. Christian apologist Alex McFarland echoes these concerns and says it all comes down to who's programming the systems and how they're used. Technology is generally amoral. Um, computers aren't necessarily good or bad, but what you do with them, you know, on the moral issues, uh, Christians need to be very concerned about AI because so much of the code and the algorithms that run the Internet come from the souls and minds of uh, Silicon Valley liberals. While the overall impact depends on human intention, there are also positive opportunities. Some experts are using the tech to improve human health and well-being, and Christian groups are translating the Bible into new languages with it. Author Johnny Moore, among others, believes America must pause, reflect, and offer moral leadership to ensure the right path forward. All the good and the bad of it is going to be realized by us. The decisions we make now will determine the lives our children will, will enjoy. And, uh, and this is the moment to press pause, to gather together, to ask the right questions, and to make sure the United States isn't just leading in technology, but that we're leading with our values too. Only time will tell if these warnings are heeded. Billy Hollowell, CBN News. National security correspondent Caitlin Burke is here now to discuss this further. Caitlin, now that the AI race is in full swing, the global powers, they're exploring how to use the technology on the battlefield, including Israel. So what are some of the ways the IDF is using artificial intelligence in its military operations? Chris, it's hard to get a clear answer on the specifics because it's all highly classified. But we do know AI systems are being used to select targets for airstrikes and to calculate how much ammunition will be needed, give drones their targets, and propose schedules. Right now, it all must then be reviewed by a human before being deployed. 
We also know the use of AI in military operations has been on the table for a while for Israel. Back in 2021, the IDF described the 11-day conflict in Gaza as the world's first AI war. Now, the, the use of this technology in a military context is still pretty controversial. Supporters say things that used to take hours now take minutes, and it has a huge potential to reduce civilian casualties. But others are concerned that relying on autonomous systems could have deadly consequences if its calculations are off. Yeah, I remember that war back in uh, Gaza talking about the AI, first AI war. So what role does the U.S. military play in this? especially since Israel is its biggest defense partner in the region. Well, the U.S. is investing heavily in military applications of AI, but has been slower to actually deploy it. There's not much regulation over these kinds of weapons, which is a concern among many in both the U.S. and Israel. We're also not actively engaged in a conflict right now, so there's been a bit more of a focus on developing weapons to combat AI systems that are being used against our allies, Israel and Ukraine, for example. But because of our partnership with Israel, it's safe to say that we are learning from how they're using artificial technology in combat. And it's it's pretty much a, a done deal that this will be um, the future of warfare for all of us. Yeah, I know from a military perspective, uh, there's such a close relationship between the United States uh, and Israel, and now especially here in the AI uh, field that we're in right now. Caitlin, thanks for your analysis. My pleasure. Coming up, churches set ablaze and homes destroyed. The shocking violence targeting Christians in Pakistan. 2023 marks Israel's 75th anniversary. Wanting only a homeland of their own, the Jewish nation has survived war. I was so scared. Terrorism. And so my husband covered in blood. And waves of anti-Semitism. It's a message of killing Jews. You can stand with the nation of Israel and support their basic right to exist through CPN Israel. Your donation makes it possible to give humanitarian aid to Israelis in crisis while simultaneously reaching millions worldwide with breaking news and award-winning films that tell the true story of the Jewish people. Will you stand with Israel during their 75th anniversary? Call 1-800-265-0996. Go to cbn.com slash support Israel or text CBN Israel to 
Christians in Pakistan are now worried for their safety after Muslim rioters descended on their community last week, burning dozens of churches and homes. It happened in the eastern province of Punjab. Scenes from the rampage making international headlines as the mob attacked at least 26 churches and drove Christians from their homes. This in response to allegations that a Christian man desecrated the Quran, a violation of Pakistan's blasphemy laws. Look at our houses, look at our churches, look at our street. If someone did wrong, arrest them. What is our fault? Why are our houses and churches being burned? We want justice. Christians took to the streets to protest against the persecution and targeted violence. Police say they've arrested more than 100 rioters. The government has promised money for victims of the rampage, but the trauma of the attack leave wounds money can't address. Well, Dan Andros, managing editor of CBN's Faithwire, has been tracking this story. Dan, this recent rampage, was it an anomaly or are these events becoming more common? Well, Chris, uh, attacks against individual Christians in Pakistan are pretty common. I mean, it's ranked the seventh worst country uh, by persecution watchdogs to live in as a Christian in the whole world. So uh, they're no stranger to that. It is a little more uncommon to have something of of this happen, especially to the to the widespread nature of it with 26 churches, as you mentioned. Uh, and just the mere fact of going after the buildings, doing it as a lot of them, that is definitely a little more rare uh, in spite of the general persecution uh, that happens there in Pakistan. So that so that kind of escalation in the violence is definitely concerning. So what, what's triggering this hostility, Dan, towards towards these Christians? Yeah, well, in this particular case, as you mentioned, there's an accusation of blasphemy. They said a Christian and his friend uh, had torn pages out of the Quran, which they count as blasphemy. And so they're saying that that's the excuse that they're using for going ahead and triggering it. But really, these archaic blasphemy laws in Pakistan, which uh, were sort of uh, updated in the 1980s to be a little more vague and a little more uh, uh, able to use, uh, what they end up doing is the 96% Muslim majority there, it's it's less than 2% of the people in Pakistan are Christians, and they're uh, often treated as second-class citizens. And so what uh, the rest of them do is they'll if they have a dispute, hey, you get in an argument with your Christian neighbor over a fence, well, you use these blasphemy laws and accuse them of blasphemy, and it gets them into the court and everything else. And there's very, uh, uh, never really any retribution to the people who levy the accusations, it all comes down on those having to defend themselves against these blasphemy laws. Oftentimes, they could be even facing up to death. Yeah, yeah. Well, we mentioned that the government's uh, maybe compensating some of the Christians, but what else is the government doing to protect the Christian community in the Punjab province? Yeah, well, they're really standing in solidarity with them. This is really actually a noteworthy event because, as I said, 96% Muslim, you're not often going to be catering to this. It's not a popular move in the country to be standing shoulder to shoulder with Christians. They, the government officials there went to a church to make these statements saying, hey, we stand with these people. We're going to go after those who did this. They have arrested 160 so far. We'll see if the charges stick and they get actually get any convictions here uh, and they did give $6,800 to each homeowner who had their home uh, damaged or destroyed, which doesn't sound like a lot. It does go farther in Pakistan than it does here. But but this is kind of a radical step for a country like Pakistan. Yeah. Finally, Dan, what can the international faith community do to support these Pakistani Christians? 
Yeah, we need to be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ there in Pakistan. Uh, that is first and foremost, our first line of defense as Christians is we can we can pray and then look to support any churches or organizations that are assisting physically on the ground there. Because as I said, these Christians are definitely facing daily attacks. It's very common there, and they're, they're tired. They're exhausted from having to deal with yeah. this. Well, Dan, thanks for bringing this story and your insight analysis uh, so people can learn about it and pray about it. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Still ahead, a South Korean prayer movement reaches the United States Capitol. The reason for these protests when we come back. Thank you for watching Jerusalem Dayline. We're committed to providing you with unbiased reporting from the Holy Land. Through weekly broadcasts, podcasts, and online media, our vision is to reach millions around the globe with the true story of what's happening in Israel and the Middle East, all from a biblical and prophetic perspective. This is a big vision and is only made possible by the generous support of people like you. Call us toll-free at 1-800-700-7000 or go to cbn.com slash Jerusalem Dateline and make a donation that will help spread the light of truth about Israel throughout the world. Experience God's power in Superbook Summer of Faith. Three stories of God's miraculous protection for those who hear His voice and believe what He says. You'll receive this special bonus pack with Gizmo Go, Return of the Flying House. Rig, tilt the electromagnetic coils back 30 degrees. Join the CBN Animation Club and get Gizmo Go, Return of the Flying House, plus two copies to share with others, all for your gift of only $25. And as part of our Summer of Faith bonus, receive three Superbook episodes demonstrating God's awesome power. Every Gizmo Go show contains a Bible-based story, a karaoke version of an original song, and much more. Gizmo here probably spent years trying to bring us home. Technically, it was me who brought you back. Years? Come on! Join the CBN Animation Club, and for a limited time, receive the Summer of Faith bonus as our way of saying thanks. Here, we're committed to a heritage of rigorous scholarship dating back over a thousand years and to a faith tradition dating back a thousand more. This is how we create a culture of inquiry where no topic is off limits. And a culture of hope. Anything's possible! It's Christian leadership. And it's changing the world for the better. It's higher learning. It's greater knowing. It's what makes us whole. It's what makes us regent. If you're tired and exhausted all day, you can't think clearly, and you really just need a cup or even a pot of coffee to get through your day, then join me, Dr. Josh Axe, for this new series where I'm going to teach you how to transform your diet and use essential oils and supplements to get a better night's sleep. Wake up to your best life. Call 1-800-700-7000 to get your free DVD or booklet of Protect Your Sleep today. Your news channel, your shows, the stories you care about, anytime you want, anywhere you want. Download the CBN News app today. Earlier this month, I visited South Korea, where Christians are praying every day for the freedom of their northern neighbors. That initiative made its way to the United States Capitol this week. On Wednesday, members of Korea's Esther Prayer Movement rallied outside the Chinese embassy. 
demanding that Beijing not send 2,600 defectors back to North Korea. Representative Chris Smith, co-chair of the Congressional Commission on China, joined the protest. Every one of these refugees have hopes and aspirations, a life story, loved ones. We care about them. We're calling on the ambassador. We're calling on here uh, in Washington. Uh, we're especially calling on Xi Jinping. Abide by international law. Send them to a country that will welcome them. China refuses to grant refugee status to the North Korean defectors that escaped to its territory. Instead, many are deported back to North Korea to face severe punishment. Well, that's all for this edition of Jerusalem Dateline. Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also access CBN content through our CBN apps and email blast. And it's been great to be here in the CBN studio doing Jerusalem Dateline. We look forward to do it again. I'm Chris Mitchell. We'll see you next time on Jerusalem Dateline.